and it wasn't until the, the mid-19th mid century, some, some would say even into the 20th century, that there became this change where the church was not the people anymore, it was the building. We've done this. Uh, we've also done this with the word thanksgiving. Thanksgiving used to be a verb, and we've turned it into a noun. It's an event that we do. Why, it's the same thing that we've done with the word worship. Worship is something we attend. It's not something we do. I share those things with you because I, I'd like you to consider, where are you on that? You know, frankly, my definition of marriage has not changed. I don't care what the world says. I have shifted my definition of the church back to what I believe the Lord wants it to be. It's the people, not the building. And I will refer to this building as the church house or the place where the church meets. You see, I think there has to be an intentionality in what we do, and I think there needs to be an intentionality of what we talk about even as we talk about Thanksgiving. I'd like to go back, and I think it's important sometimes to do a, oh, just a recap of what the Bible says about things, you know, just kind of bring us up to date before we can really talk about it. The first time that Thanksgiving is talked about in the, in the Bible, obviously in the Old Testament, is all the way back in Leviticus. And if, if, you, if you want to turn there with me, it is on the page um, that is in your, your, your program. Um, but, but we're going to look at Leviticus uh, 22, just a couple of verses there as we talk about it. Would you go back to the slide that would be before this, Bob, for me, please? The Old, the Old Testament taught a very interesting thing about Thanksgiving. It, the Old Testament, and the very first thing that it talks about is that, is that when we recognize that God has done something on our behalf, when we understand that, then what the, what the Old Testament said we're to do is to you give an offering. You, you respond. Now, now, please understand that we're not talking about money here. And I, I want you to catch that. I mean, sometimes in our American world, too, when we think about an offering, it's like, oh, he's asking for money again. You know, like, no, this, 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 is, this is just what, the, what they taught. And their offerings typically would have been um, some, some fruit or, or something from their flock. It would have been something that they owned, something that was a possession of theirs. And it... it it seldom involved cash, so to speak, because they always bartered. So it was like it was an exchange, though. God did something amazing for me, and so I want to place this offering before him. Look, look at, the, at the passage in Leviticus with me, in Leviticus 20, 22, 29. It says, when you sacrifice a thank offering to the Lord. Notice words mean things, right? right? It says when, not if. Okay, and, and that's an important distinction because the if is, well, you, you might, if you ever do. But from the Old Testament perspective, this is going to happen. Why, why would they say you are going to make a thank offering to God? Because God is God and God is amazing. God is Jehovah Jireh in the Old Testament, my provider. And so the, 
the, the, the sheer understanding of what Moses teaches here is this is going to occur in your life when you sacrifice a thank offering to the Lord. Sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It is to be eaten on the same day. Do not let any of it remain until morning. Why? I am Yahweh. In fact, in this passage, there are several I am Yahweh phrases there. I am Yahweh. This is the covenant name of of the Lord. This is what he described his name as. It was such um, uh, uh, this this name that is placed there um, back to back in these couple of sections about sacrifices. I am Yahweh. In fact, the next, ver- next in verse 31, it says you're to keep my commands and do them. Why? I am Yahweh. So why are we to bring a thanksgiving offering? Why are we to do that? Because He's God. It, it, it really is as simple as that. And that truly thankful people, there's more than just words involved. You see, another thing that has happened to us in our day and age, I can't quite pinpoint when this happened in human culture, and maybe it's always been here. But words are cheap. And your God knows how cheap words really are. Coming from the mouths of I mean, I include myself in this. It wasn't... uh, After I became a Christ follower, I really tried to do things. The way I describe it is I'm trying to live my life under the umbrella of the Lord. I I don't want to step out from underneath that umbrella. And and so it, it was... I don't know if it was the day I got saved or the day after or something very quickly, but we began to pray over every meal we would take. And, and it, wasn't, it was a prayer of, of thanksgiving. God, we thank you for this food. So for 29 years or so, is that right? I'm looking for some help here. Um, 20, okay, almost 29 years since I've been a Christian. We've done this. Guess what? About two weeks ago, um, I'm, in fact, I was, I was in Bedford. I'd been in Paoli for a meeting during the week, um, and I, I stopped off at the Arby's that is right up here to get a sandwich so that I could eat it on the, on the way home. Um, and I got that sandwich, and I started eating that sandwich before I ever said thanks. And I was shocked. I mean, it was like I have this mouthful of food and I'm going, what am I doing? There was a story I heard a long time ago that really made sense to me. There were these two guys that came to visit this lady's house when her grandson was there. And and they were hungry. And the lady said, let me fix you lunch. And, And she fixed the lunch and put it on the table. And the guys had washed up their hands. And she went somewhere else to do something and asked her grandson just to keep an eye on them to make sure if they needed anything. After, after lunch was over, the, the grandmother came in and said, well, how were those two men? And the, and the kid said they were fine. She said, did they pray over their food? And the little kid looked up. He said, no, they were just like the dogs. 
put it in front of them, and they just wolfed it down. And I thought, whoa, that's me. I have a roast beef sandwich in my mouth. I have received what God has provided, and I just stuck it in my face. I'm not like a dog. But, but what happens to us is words can be so cheap. And we could say, oh, yeah, well, I'm thankful for all this stuff. Oh, really? Oh, oh really, you're thankful? Then act like it. And when you act like thankful, from the Old Testament perspective, acting thankful says you're going to bring an offering to the Lord. I'm not suggesting we go back to Old Testament days. But I, I do want us to think about it for a second. When was the last time you offered something to God as a token of your thanksgiving? I, I, I mean, when was it that you said, God, I'm going to set aside this day to do nothing but, but read Scripture and talk to you? That would be offering something to God. When, when was the last time that, that you recognized that that God is your Jehovah Jireh, that everything you possess has been handed to you, whether it's your intelligence or your, or your athletic ability, or, or it doesn't matter what it is. If you got it, it's been given to you. Right? And so when was the last time you just said, God, I want to give back to you because you've given to me? I want you to know how thankful I am. Okay, so that's the beginning of Thanksgiving in the Old Testament. And, and then it progresses. I mean, we, we move from Moses, who, who, who wrote this in Leviticus. Um, David is talked about as doing something entirely different. In fact, David begins to... Um, he views Thanksgiving not as something that is optional... But thanksgiving becomes something that is required. In fact, what happens is, David in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 16 and verse 41, he assigns guys to be thanksgiving givers. Look, look at this. It says, of these guys, with them were Haman and Jedithan and the rest who were chosen and designated by name to give thanks to the Lord. For his faithful love endures forever. Now, now I, I, want you, I want you to catch this for a minute. David must have recognized, we're not doing a very good job of this. The nation of Israel as a whole, we are not doing a very good job of this. So what we're going to do is we're going we're to select several people among them, these two guys whose names are hard to pronounce. And we are going to assign them the task to give thanks. I don't, I don't know about you, but, but let's just, just ask a question. If you were in the hospital and somebody from the church comes to visit you, do you want it to be the guy that is paid to go visit you? It's in his job description to go visit you. He has to go visit you. Or would you rather it be an elder or a member of your small group 
It doesn't have to go at all. But they show up just to pray with you and make sure you're okay. Which of those two is more meaningful? Oh, oh, oh I, I think what you're thinking is you found another one of those things that we have somehow turned the definition on. Because somehow in our minds we have found more value in a paid staff person visiting than the one who shows up on their own. I know, I pastored for a long time. And we, we would have, have deacons. Uh, we didn't have elders. We had deacons, and those deacons would show up in a hospital room, and you know what they would say? But Pastor Bob didn't come yet. Pastor Bob didn't come. That's an issue with us. It's us with not appreciating what it really is. Because when David saw thanksgiving as something to be required, he began to pay people. So is it more meaningful when someone's paid to give thanks or when one does so freely? Now I want you to put yourself in God's position. I wonder how God took that when David said, let's just pay folks to do it. Let's just pay folks to give thanks to God so we can make sure it's done. I don't think God would like that at all. I don't think that that is what thanksgiving is supposed to be like. In fact, here's what I, I think about. I need to personally give thanks to God for who He is and what He's done. I can't let somebody do that for me. You can't let somebody do it for you either. Because God doesn't hear it the same way. In Christianity, we talk about a personal relationship with God. And what does that mean? God personally died on Calvary's cross for you. It, it certainly was for all people who believe. But God did it for you. Did it for me. And so this, this God who personally did it for me wants me to personally thank Him for the things He has provided in my life. I don't want to have roast beef and eat it like a dog. I want to personally recognize I must live a life of thankfulness. Thankfulness is, is, is not just this thing that I think I'm doing or that I, I ask somebody else to do. You see, the danger of modern Christianity in America is, is that we've got guys on staff. We have a, a team that comes up here and worships and then we stand stand out here and observe them and if we become an audience not a congregation and it, it's about us worshiping it's about us giving thanks 
Okay, so that's the Old Testament kind of setup for what I want to take us to. Now, now let's leap over into the New Testament, and we're going to go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. Paul, in writing uh, to the Romans, at this point, hasn't been there as he writes this. And he explains in verse 16 what one of the most famous lines of, of Roman, I think, of Romans, and I think there are, are a ton of them, but he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. And, and he moves in verse 18 into an explanation of what's wrong with people. See, I had to ask myself, after all those years of giving thanks, of, of pausing before a meal, and it didn't matter whether we were at, at Disney World, sitting on a bench, eating a turkey leg, um, or if it didn't matter where we were. It was if we were receiving food that God had allowed us to have, we were going to give thanks. And here I am blowing it. And I, I had to ask myself, why? What what is it in me that makes that happen? See, I, I do think it's healthy for us to recognize our errors and then to go, What's wrong with you, stupid? Because that's what I'm doing. What's wrong with you, Bob? How could that happen? Verse 18 of chapter 1, and this is Paul writing through the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, for God's wrath, you know what the word wrath means, right? Um, wrath is, is anger squared. Wrath is, is anger on steroids. Um, it, it's not just, just getting angry, but it's getting angry and staying angry. Um, it's, it's an intense version of this. So it says, For God's intense anger, or wrath, is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress or hold down the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly um, seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. We'll stop right there. I want to go back and kind of talk about what Paul speaks here. He begins with this idea that God's severe anger is poured out from heaven revealed there against what? Go back to that uh, 18th verse. It says against all godlessness. 
when you don't do a Bible study that takes you in a little bit deeper than to what the words are, this, this could be just some generalization of word. But what that word means, it's translated from a word that means a lack of proper reverence. A lack of proper reverence. Now, let, let me ask the question, and you can, you can use my life. When I shoved that roast beef sandwich in my face without giving thanks, how was my reverence? You would condemn me as I showed a lack of proper reverence, wouldn't you? I did. That's how I looked at myself. It was a lack of proper reverence. Now, when you, when you think about that, when, when, you, when you recognize that, that what God is becoming angry about is that we don't act like we're supposed to. We don't hold God up as to who He really is. In fact, one of the things that I really believe we struggle with is, is we don't have a sense of the holiness of God any longer. We... We, people will say this, and I hear it, and, I, and it kind of, I think, God, they just don't know. But, but you refer to God as the man upstairs. Is that a, a proper reverence for the one who is holy, holy, holy? Proper reverence is important. Paul says, uh, for God's wrath is revealed against heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And then he says, by that we suppress the truth. What did Jesus say about the truth? He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. The truth will set you free. Let's just use this meal thing, because when we get done here today, we'll eat one or two more times. Maybe more than that. But will you suppress the truth as you do that? How did I suppress the truth? You go to McAllister's and you order. Your food comes. And you just dig in like one of the dogs. You're suppressing the truth reality of what you believe. Don't you believe that God has provided everything? Don't you believe that He is worthy? Don't you believe He is who He says He is? We bury that truth when we act as if God hasn't given us what we got. Let's go back to money for a second. If everyone who attended this church was a full-blown tither, this church would not struggle for money. Tithe. Kathy and I tithe. We changed how we tithe. When I first became Christian, I didn't recognize. I, I, I tithed on the check I brought home. 
and, and a tithe is 10%. And, and we, we tithed on that 10%. And then the, when we did our taxes at the year end, I couldn't figure out how come our tithe didn't equal the amount that the IRS said we received as money. And Kathy said, duh, um, that's the gross number there, and we've been tithing off what you bring home. And I said, you mean Uncle Sam gets his money first before God? And she said, well, that's how we've been doing it. She said, not anymore. I mean, are, are, am I a stickler about it? Ask my wife. Absolutely a stickler about it. Why? He's God. He's asked me to do it. Is he going to condemn me? Will I lose my salvation if I don't do that? Of course not. Of course not. But God's asked me to. My children ask me to do things, and I do everything I can to do it. Everything. And, and, and so you, you, when, when we look at what God has done and what our opportunity is, I don't want to suppress the truth. I, I don't want to act as if God hasn't provided me with everything I have. Everything from my wife and my children, from my sight, from my legs. Everything. God has provided me. Everything. Every, there's not a thing He's not. And friend, if you think that you have what you have because of something in you, There is nothing within us, the Bible says, that is even anything good. Nothing. But what God does in us is amazing and is deserving of our thanks. Paul writes on in this, and he says, he says that since what can be known, verse 19, since once what can be known about God is evident. It's 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 right there. It's it's the, the word evident here is the word that you think it comes from. Evidence. Um, it, it comes from this meaning of it's just proof right there in front of you. And God makes it absolutely apparent that He is our Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. Everything that we have has been given to us. Now, you think about how that is. Um, we cared for our um, next to the youngest grandchild uh, yesterday, I think it was, um, and that little kid would starve to death if we didn't feed him. No, no, seriously. Hey, that is a good one. Yeah, you'll need to turn that buddy up, that off. Even if it is the Bible, because that's what it is. I listen to the same thing. I love that kind of English kind of accent kind of thing. Hand your phone up here to this guy here. He'll fix it a second. <laughs> I had a guy, uh, one of my really good friends. He's my prayer partner um, for 15 years. And we stood, we, we uh, sang in the, in the worship choir in what we called the, uh, the classic worship service. He stood next to me. And it was, he was supposed to pray 
to end this one portion of the service. And just as he was about to pray, his phone rings, right? And here, so here's this guy, deacon of the church, about to pray. Let's all pray. Ring, ring, his phone rings. I just turned to him and said, that better be God. Well, the thing is, his, I couldn't say that to him because it was God. <laughs> had the Word of God coming out of his phone. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate that, that you didn't let us tell that little story. Um, so, so, so it's apparent that, that God um, is providing for all things. My grandson would starve to death if I didn't give him what he needed. Why? Because his little hands can't open those jars, let me tell you. He can't climb up high enough to get anything. Why? He, there's no way. He just, he's going to starve to death if you don't take care of him. That's how you are with God. If God doesn't take care of you, you are going to starve to death. You will cease to exist if He doesn't provide you the air that you have. I mean, science is an amazing thing, and all you have to do is to look into the, the, the sheer impossibility, and uh, maybe not impossibility, but the sheer uh, slim percentages of our planet being where it is, just exactly in the right spot where we don't fry because of the sun and not too far away that we don't freeze to death. I mean, th- th- there is all of this going on that, that points to God saying I, he, he is providing us all. The, the phrase that is used to talk about this is a phrase called natural revelation. Okay? Natural revelation um, is used to describe the knowledge that God can be seen by anyone in creation. That God's glory, God's provision can be seen by anybody. Look at a flower with a microscope or even a magnifying glass and get amazed at the detail. Do you, do you remember when you were a kid and you let the snowflakes land on your coat and your teacher said, now look at them, they're all different. They're still different today. Every snowflake that ever touches the ground or is created is different, unique. And so are you. All of the billions and billions of people that have been born on this planet, every one is unique. The hummingbird. I'm intrigued by hummingbirds because when you look scientifically, scientists would say that a hummingbird shouldn't be able to fly. I look at them outside that little feeder we have and I go, are they wrong? God is in the business in some ways of proving us wrong. And so this natural revelation is available to everyone. And then because of this natural revelation, the Bible says there's no excuse to anyone, for anyone not believing. See, I I struggle with anyone not believing that there is a God. You might not believe that He was revealed in Jesus Christ. say that there is no God is ignorance. Ignorance means you just don't know. It doesn't mean you're stupid. 
Paul says, the wrath of God is being poured out from heaven on those that simply don't believe that God is who God says He is. They don't glorify Him, nor do they show gratitude. Okay, I get it. Most of us in this place right now, we're followers of Christ. I, I, I get it. Can I ask this question? Is it possible to know that God has given His all for you and not be thankful? I mean, I mean, what what has God given for you? Well, not only has He provided the clothes that you wear in the house or the apartment or the place that you live, not only has He given you the eyes that you see with and the tongue that you taste with and the brain that functions your body. Not only has He given you the relationships that you have, not only has He given you everything that you possess, but He also gave the very life of His Son. I'm one of those people that tend to feel I can undervalue who I am pretty easily. I can feel like I wasted a lot of my life prior to coming to know Christ. I can I can beat myself up over that, but I, I fight against that by this one thought that God counted me worth the life of His Son. I didn't say I'm worth the life of Jesus because I I can't believe that. But I do believe that God believes it. Because when Jesus went to the cross, He counted me worthy of that death. How is it to know that God gave His all for me and then not to be thankful. Paul talks about this in the end of this in verse 22 that we looked at. He said, They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. They claimed to be wise. And oh man, we can we can see it all the time and people we speak with, it's it's things that we read on the internet, it's it's folk in the world that we live in that claim to have a better understanding and that we are outdated by thinking that the Bible is right. The the Bible says this the fear of the Lord in Proverbs nine ten, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear here is a word that means ultimate respect for. And he also says in Psalm 14, he says, a fool and it says in his heart, there is no God. My brothers and my sisters, this is Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving is not a noun. 
word. Something we do. And as we finish our service, I want you to think about what God did for you. It's here. symbol of his broken body and blood that he shed for you. It's everything in your bank account. It's, it's all those grandchildren that you adore. It's your job. It's your friends. It's everything you have. And I want to invite you We, as we bring the service to a close, don't let Zach give thanks for you. Because he can't. You give thanks. It doesn't need to be some outlandish representation of I don't know what it might look like. But from your heart, heart of God, might your King know today that you are thankful for what He has done. Be willingly thankful. Father, I thank You so much for the time that we can spend together. And Lord, I, I ask forgiveness for people like me for those times that we know better, that that we should say thank you, God, for what you have done, but we don't. And I, I pray, God, that today then is this opportunity for us. I mean, we don't catch up our past. I get that, God. We ask for forgiveness for failings, and you forgive, but you call us to not do that again intentionally, to move forward and and so, God, might today be, be that day that we start fresh and new. That we say, forgive us for being unthankful people, for, for being like the dogs. And help us this day to simply voice to you how thankful for, we are for what you have done for us, for what you have provided, for who you are. And I thank you for that. God, if there is someone in this place, and I don't know everyone's heart, God, I, I barely can understand my own heart. If there is somebody here that does not know you as Savior, God, maybe someone who has been tricked by religion, that, that, that somehow figures they're good enough, God, might you speak to their hearts right now and say your word never says anything about good enough. But your heart says an awful lot about what great, your, your word says an awful lot about what grace is where you forgive despite what we've done and that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I pray that you help us, God, in this. And that should this day be the end of our lives, whether because of some huge event or maybe it's because we're walking on a trail and get attacked, totally unready, and yet, might it be a day 
that we have made sure that we have said thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The worship team is going to come, and they're going to lead us in a song. And it would be during this time that I would encourage you, this, this is the time for your activity. It's the time for you to do something about what the Holy Spirit has said to you. And I get not everything that I have said today is for all of us. Um, it, it amazes me how often someone will say to me, this is what I heard from you today, and I will say, I never said that today. You heard what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear. But the real question is, will you respond to that? Are you going to do something? Christianity isn't just showing up. It's about responding to the call of God on your life. And I invite you to do that. If you'd like to speak with someone about how to join this church, what's in, what's, what, what is that about, what does it mean, that God is saying that to you, look, be a part. Don't just show up. Be a part. Then I would invite you also to be able to come forward. You can talk with me about that. You can talk to, to others also. If you don't know Jesus, don't leave this place without Him. Don't do it. I'd love to talk with you about that. I'll just be up over here.